0: One man is working on a project to preserve the delicate but powerful ecosystem of LGBTQ plus bars from being erased from history. The Gabe Archives is on its way to becoming the largest catalog of safe spaces. It has 1500 bars and clubs on the list and counting. I connected with Art Smith to discuss his mission and why archiving these establishments is crucial. Hi, welcome, Art Smith, creator of the Gay Archives. Thank you for being here with me today.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me.
0: Of course. Well, you're doing this really important work, and I wonder first, would you just talk a little bit about what the Gay Archives are and what the mission is?
1: So, the Gay Archives project started out of a conversation about gay bars that we loved and lost, mm. and this was in 2019. And my initial project was focused on tracking down and digitally reconstructing the logos of the bars. Yeah, because that's... so many of those logos are lost to history. You know, they were crappy copies to begin with, or nobody had them. So I was working on that. Uh, over time, it's evolved into a much bigger project that is documenting not only the thousands and thousands of gay bars that we've lost over the decades but also documenting the ones that are still here and the ones that are just opening.
0: Yeah, this is an incredible, daunting project. Where do you be? Where did you begin? How did you just dive into it?
1: So it started at the end of 2019 with a conversation with one of the owners of Atlanta's most iconic gay bar, which was called Backstreet. Oh, yeah. and,
0: I, I feel like every city had a back street. I'm from Hartford, Connecticut, and we had a back street.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the back street in Atlanta was a unique complex. It was a multi story bar, it had a dance floor that could probably hold a thousand people. Um, it had a huge cabaret bar on the upper floor. And in the last 15 years of its life, it was open 24 hours a day. They never closed for those 15 years.
0: Amazing, that's incredible. Well, our, I wanna go back a little bit and ask you, you, know, you said that um, you know preserving some of your, the logos of some of your favorite uh, gay bars and discussions around what some of those gay bars were. What was your first gay bar?
1: My first gay bar experience happened totally by accident. Um, I did have a boyfriend in high school, which is going back into the 70s, but we did not know that there was such a thing as guys having boyfriends. Yeah. So we just thought we were good buddies that happened to have some sexual contact. Mm-hmm. And I was in school in Boston, he was in school in Baltimore. I went down for the week to visit him during break. And after dinner, he said, Well, let's go to this bar. And mm-hmm. we walked across the street he had known through some friends at school that it was a gay bar but never told me oh no and so i ordered a drink and i'm standing there on a raised platform looking at the dance floor and suddenly realized that everybody on the dance floor is male Mm. and that was kind of my awakening and that bar was the hippo on eager street in baltimore maryland and it stayed open until 2015. so it was open for 40 plus years
0: Incredible. And would you also just share a little bit about what it meant to you to find yourself in that space surrounded by other, you know, primarily gay men?
1: So there were there were two aspects to it. The first one, um, which I've also had some experiences with smaller gay bars and smaller cities, um, was just the feeling of having a community, the feeling of having somewhere to go and being safe and being able to talk to other people about your deep dark secret because in the 70s and early 80s being gay was not something that you you know um expressed to everybody that you knew was it was a hidden secret and it could potentially ruin your life it could cause you to lose your job it could get you thrown out of housing you could lose your family so the first part of it was just having a sense of community But then when there were bars like the hippo and backstreet and all these other bars that were fabulous, they were like, it was like being in a, in a huge, awesome space that had thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars invested in it. That is what made you feel special. So not only did you have a space that you could go to and be safe, but you also weren't a second-class citizen entering through a back door into a dark building and hiding from the world.
0: Right. Right. And, you know, queer bars have long been uh, safe spaces for so many people. And, you know, uh, we've had some horrible, horrific things happen, uh, which is kind of a a form of terrorism. Uh, Pulse, Club Q, uh, these attacks on our queer safe spaces are um, culturally devastating uh, in just such a massive way. And I wonder if you would touch on uh, on preserving the idea of gay bars, queer bars as our safe spaces.
1: Well, absolutely. Um, almost every major movement that's happened in the gay community is tied in some way to the gay bar scene. And, you know, everybody likes to point to Stonewall as being the end-all be-all, but really, it started decades before that. Um, There was an uprising at uh, Cooper Donuts in Los Angeles in 1959. There was the Black Knight Uprising in Milwaukee. Um, There were black cats in both San Francisco and Los Angeles that all had an impact on where we ended up as a community. And um, a lot of those are also the places where the revolts and the, the organizations that now fight for our rights got their starts. So the bar scene was really a critical part of this whole concept of gay liberation and gay rights and gay marriage that we are now kind of living through again.
0: Thank you so much to Art for speaking with me. His work with Gabe Archives is truly inspiring. Visit GabeArchives.com to support his research. And you can join us over on the Advocate channel for more content and coverage. It's available wherever you stream. I'm Tracy E. Gilchrist, and I'll see you next time.